Begin and end every great trip with Diamond Airport Parking. Diamond offers car-to-curb service, 24-7 airport shuttles, fantastic rates, complimentary bottled water, plus no one beats the friendly staff. Diamond Airport Parking, just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park, ride, and save. That's Diamond Airport Parking. Time to talk a little BYU football now. The Cougars are going to Tennessee. Going to Knoxville, Josh Ward, radio host for WNML in Knoxville, Tennessee, host of the Locked on Vols podcast. He joins us now to talk about the Volunteers and the Cougars. Josh, good morning. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me on. So, Josh, I was uh, I don't know if I saw the score on the ticker or on Twitter, but I saw Tennessee-Georgia State 14-14, and I got over to ESPNU in a heartbeat, and so I watched the last, I don't know, two and a half quarters or so. And I was stunned at how easy it was for Georgia State to run the ball and control that game. Now, I'm just parachuting in in the middle of it, so maybe I shouldn't have been stunned. Uh, What was your reaction watching that game? I was stunned. There was no talk leading into the game of Georgia State possibly being able to upset Tennessee. And in the middle of the game, sitting in the press box, I did turn to a few people to my left and right and asked, are we watching a game where Georgia State can pull off an upset? And at that point, Tennessee still had a lead, 17-14, fairly early in the third. Georgia State came out, scored a touchdown. And I think at that point, a lot of people agreed that there was a game here. Uh, It was still difficult to believe that Tennessee would actually lose it. But that's what we watched, even when Tennessee was able to come back and uh, take a 23-21 lead. It was all Georgia State from there, and Tennessee was embarrassed uh, with the way that it played, and uh, it, it never should have gotten that close. And in the end, Georgia State has a 15-point lead with just a few seconds to go before Tennessee tacks on a meaningless touchdown to make the score more respectable. But there was really no respect left for Tennessee there with with the way things went. So when you listen to the players afterward, everybody was shocked and it's unacceptable and whatnot. And, you know, it seems like they were saying what needed to be said. But what does that mean going forward to this week? Because at least on paper, I don't know how the game is going to turn out, but on paper it looks like BYU would be a better team than Georgia State. It's a good question, and I don't know if anybody has a surefire answer right now, and that includes Tennessee's head coach. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt has talked about players responding and cleaning some things up and you know, being okay with what the game plan was last week, um, we have a result that shows that whatever the plan was, whatever they had done to work on getting ready for Georgia State wasn't wasn't right because of the way things went. And how will players respond is one of the biggest questions this week because Tennessee had the performance on Saturday against Georgia State that was so disappointing. But also at the end of last season, Tennessee finished with two clunkers, getting blown out by Missouri by 33 points and losing to Vanderbilt by 25 points. So a lot of the players that we've talked about coming back, and Jeremy Pruitt talked about building stronger relationships with those players and strengthening the culture and having nine months to get ready for this season, and we are having similar conversations to what we were talking about at the end of last season. If if we see the same thing from Tennessee this Saturday, then we have our answer. If Tennessee's able to turn things around and play well against BYU, if Tennessee can get a win against BYU, it doesn't solve everything, but at least buys Tennessee some time. If Tennessee plays like it did this past weekend, this upcoming Saturday, then I would say good luck to Tennessee in getting anything figured out when you still have your entire SEC schedule remaining. So sometimes you have a team run the ball on you like that because of talent issues, but sometimes it comes down to heart and passion issues. When you bring up the end of last season, it makes it seem like there's some disconnect and that that's really heart and passion issues. 
Am I reading what you're saying right? I think that's part of it. Um, another part is that I don't know that Tennessee has one defensive lineman that right now stands out as a high-level player. Tennessee had a transfer come in named Aubrey Solomon, and there was a lot of attention on him in the offseason as he was waiting to have his uh, his eligibility granted by the NCAA as an undergraduate transfer, and that was given last week. And I think that created a little bit too much excitement about what it would mean for Tennessee's defense. I, I don't mean that to knock him. It's just that I, I said last week going into the game, temper expectations with what he will do and what that will mean for Tennessee's defensive line. And in the second half, particularly in the fourth quarter, Georgia State just did what it wanted to, lining up and running against Tennessee's defensive front. Now, Tennessee is expected to have a senior linebacker return this week. He did not play last week, Daniel Batuli, but he's not an all-SEC guy, and he's going to be on a pitch count, it looks like. He's not been practicing in full, and Jeremy Pruitt compared the snap count that he'll probably see to what Trey Smith, a Tennessee offensive lineman, saw last week, and Trey played less than half the game. If that's the case with Daniel Batuli, I don't think he makes that big of a difference, so Effort has to be some kind of issue when you get pushed around by Georgia State like that. But there is also a talent issue with what Tennessee has up front on the defensive side. So they bring in a new coordinator over there from Georgia, and then T. Martin comes back, and he I think he's a receiver's coach. Obviously, he's a legend in Tennessee history and all that. But I'm wondering, it's only one game, but what is the identity of the offense? Well, I think the identity is that uh, Tennessee knows it has an issue with its offensive line, and there's only so much you can do with that. Tennessee has been trying to figure out what the best five or six for that offensive line is. And in the meantime, Tennessee has a number of skill position players who they have legitimate confidence in. They have some good wide receivers. Tight end Donald Anderson's a good player. They have some running backs that can hit some home runs. Ty Chandler is a game breaker. A uh, talented true freshman named Eric Gray, a former Michigan commit, high school All-American. They, they have some players there. What can Jarrett Garantano do, the quarterback who now comes in as a fourth-year player? He's played a lot of games. Uh, so I'm kind of describing what the offense is. What's the identity? I think it's getting the ball out quickly to those players that I just mentioned and seeing if they can make some plays, make guys miss. The problem is they kept making mistakes on the offensive side, whether it was lack of protection or bad throws from Garantano. Uh, or turning the ball over. Tennessee kept getting in its own way. A, a wild stat that nobody would have predicted with the outcome is that last week Tennessee only punted the ball once against Georgia State. If you had told me that was going to be the case before the game, I would have said Tennessee scores 50 points. Instead, Tennessee needed a late touchdown to get to 30 against Georgia State. So they have some players, but they still have a lot to figure out on the offensive side. I'd say like BYU, Tennessee is having the conversation of we've got to take care of the football. If we do that, we can put some points on the board, but that's a big priority after the first game. Josh Ward, radio host for WNML in Knoxville, Tennessee, and host of the Locked on Vols podcast. Join us on the Sprint special guest line. Lisa Nehan said, get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. So when you talk about the issues on the offensive line, do they have more issues run blocking, or do they have more issues pass blocking, or are there issues with both? Uh, there can be issues with both. I think with pass protection, a concern is just all around. Do the tight ends do a good enough job? Uh, there were issues where running backs just whiffed on blitz pickups, uh, either whiffed or just got 
destroyed. Eric Gray gave up a sack because he was just pushed over by an opposing linebacker who came toward Jarrett Garantano and uh, was able to knock him to the ground. I thought the offensive line was better in pass protection last week. Uh, run, run, run blocking needs to be better. Tennessee was stuffed with seven offensive linemen on the field on a third and short quarterback sneak attempt, which was pretty embarrassing. That's what led to the one punt attempt from Tennessee last week. So uh, run blocking. There's also the question at running back. I mentioned uh, Chandler and, and Eric Gray, but uh, Tim Jordan, who is probably their short yardage guy, he's banged up right now with an ankle injury. They've moved a freshman safety linebacker to running back this week because they have some depth questions there. Uh, so Chandler and Gray are, are two big-time players, but they're not big guys. They're about 200 and 195 pounds, respectively, between the two of them. So uh, th- that's a question, but Tennessee still needs to be able to run the football. They need to be able to get guys out on the perimeter because they do have some game breakers. They just have to put them in the right kind of position because I I don't know that you're going to see a lot of effective between the tackle running from Tennessee. When you look at it defensively, you've already touched on it a little bit. They're inexperienced up front, don't have necessarily have a lot of experience in linebacker, but they have experience in the back end, and so appears to be halfway decent there. And so what do you think BYU's approach could be against this defense, knowing what you know of the defense? Would they have to rely more on the run? you think they have any success throwing the ball? Yeah, the uh, the secondary, which did receive a lot of talk in August as a group that was going to be better, uh, it does have more experience. A year ago, Tennessee was starting a couple of true freshmen at corner, and that was a big problem. But Tennessee has run into problems in the secondary. One is that senior Balin Buchanan's not playing right now, and he's not really expected to play this year, but he definitely won't play this week. He's dealt with a narrowing of the spine, so there's a senior that's off the field. One of their most talented players on the team, sophomore Bryce Thompson, is currently suspended, so you take him off the field at corner, and he is replaced right now by a true freshman, Warren Burrell, who struggled last week. Uh, They have a sophomore safety in Trayvon Flowers, who's well thought of, but he's still learning. And their most experienced guy, Nigel Warrior, is a terrific athlete, but he needs to play better. So um, Alante Taylor would be the other starter at corner. I think he's a good player for Tennessee. Uh, Sean Schamberger is in there. Not a lot of experience. An older guy, though, and, and Tennessee does a number of things with him. They'll send him after the quarterback uh, playing that nickel position. So as I'm really kind of running through the personnel there, there are, uh, there are ways for BYU to exploit uh, Tennessee's defense. If Tennessee can't create pressure, then I think Zach Wilson will be able to find open receivers. If Tennessee's able to contain Wilson and get to him quickly, then Tennessee's secondary can be just fine. But uh, if there are breakdowns, that will that will probably lead to open receivers for BYU. So getting to the quarterback will be very important for Tennessee's defense. BYU's tight end has, uh, has been promising, looked good, uh, the, the, uh, Matt Bushman, uh, against Utah, and then Utah had to put a second guy on him and bracket him in the second half to kind of take him out of the, the game. Can, they, can Tennessee match up with him, or is he going to demand two guys and maybe open things up for everybody else? Well, that's something to pay attention to. Uh, Tennessee has a very talented uh, freshman linebacker, Henry Toa Toa, who should be playing more this week. He started last week. He was a high school All-American. He's a guy that looks like he's for real uh, for Tennessee. I mentioned Batuli. Does he come back? Daryl Taylor's a guy that he's an NFL prospect on Tennessee's team. You can find projections that have him as a top 30 to top 50 player overall for the upcoming draft. But the thought with him has been, can he be a pass rusher? But at outside linebacker, he was in pass coverage this week. And then is Sean Schamberger somebody that Tennessee uses or Nigel Warrior? You know, Warrior would make sense to me, but he's also a guy that I, I think he's better in uh, helping with the run game than in pass uh, coverage. 
And I think that could be an opportunity where BYU is able to find somebody that can make some plays. So it's a good question. I think that's one of the more intriguing matchups. What does Tennessee do defensively to try to stop Bushman? Because um, they're trying to still figure some things out at linebacker. They, they have some other guys. I, I didn't run through their names, but Will Ignat, Shannon Reed, they played a good amount, pretty good athletes, and, uh, and they will be options as well. But yeah, Tennessee has to have an understanding of what they're doing. They struggled with uh, lining up um, before the snap, and you know, maybe that's where Batuli comes in. But uh, if Tennessee pre-snap has confusion, then BYU will take advantage. So since Fulmer, Fulmer was, I mean, we all know that story when he left in, what was it, 2008, and Kiffin was there for a season. Dooley had three losing seasons. They bring in Brooks Jones. He showed progress, and he taps out, obviously, at uh, two nine and four seasons. And then two years ago, it was just a disaster. They did not win a game in the conference. But before the prior two seasons, at least they were competitive and went to a couple bowl games and won them. How come he wasn't able to cash in and continue to build the momentum that led to the 2017 season, which was prompting his dismissal? Yeah, uh, it, it, there are a number of reasons. Um, I think Butch Jones, who brought in a number of really talented football players, that's what helped them get to a position where they were able to have back-to-back nine-win seasons. 2016, they should have won more, but uh, they ran into a number of injuries that really ripped apart their offensive line. In 2016, the year that Tennessee was a preseason top-10 team, they had uh, their starting middle linebacker go out in Week 2, their best linebacker in Jalen Reeves-Maven, who plays for the Detroit Lions, go down and, um, and miss pretty much all of the season after a Week 3 injury. Their best corner, Cam Sutton, who's with the Pittsburgh Steelers, go down and miss the bulk of the season. And then they, they dealt with the leadership issues, I think, as well. And uh, Butch Jones probably didn't manage the roster and all that talent very well. Uh, they, they changed strength coaches. That's been a recurring issue for the last decade-plus with Tennessee is changes within the strength program, which is, uh, has kept Tennessee from being able to develop the way that it needed to. They had a, a change with their strength coach where they went to an interim coach leading into that big 2016 season. And then uh, Butch Jones, I think, worried about some of the wrong things. Um, some of the criticism that he's take, taken, I think, has been over the top. I think the criticism should have been placed in other areas within the program that he is still in charge of. But uh, fans of Tennessee are not big fans of Butch Jones right now. But uh, Jeremy Pruitt now has taken a little bit more of the criticism this week with what happened against Georgia State. And that's, that's put more pressure than I expected to, uh, to be applied on Tennessee's head coach, which makes this week so important. Josh Ward, radio host for WNML in Knoxville, Tennessee, host of the Locked on Vols podcast. So you talk about the fans and and Pruitt and all that. You know, I've seen plenty of games on TV from Tennessee, and the place is packed, and it's orange and white. But watching the Georgia State game, and I get it was Georgia State, and it's a holiday weekend, and people have other stuff going on. But I was surprised how many empty seats there were in the end zone, and people were just looking so upset and disinterested in the fourth quarter. What's the atmosphere going to be like this week? I still think it'll be good. Uh, it'll be a night game. Um, it, it's not the only reason. The, the football product was a big reason, but um, the, it was hot this past Saturday. And I think a lot of fans, with the combination of, they didn't really care to, to watch that game, and it was hot. If you like, if you look at a photo I posted on my on Twitter, uh, a, a lot of that's in the sun where it's just it looks empty. I mean, that's how many fans are gone. But even in the shade in the upper deck, they're still probably only 70% full in a game where Tennessee is fighting to try to win. That's why it was a combination of the middle of the afternoon on a 90-degree day in September or August 31st, uh, that plus the football product. Fans are a little bit tired of it. All that being said, it's a night game. Uh, it's, this is a game that I think fans have looked forward to. 
there's the natural buildup where over the course of the week you can kind of put that game as embarrassing as it was behind you and look forward to this game to see what happens. Also, it is the first game where Tennessee is going to be selling beer at Neyland Stadium. So that is a factor, honestly, for Tennessee fans, I'd say, uh, to be there. Last week might have been a good week to start those sales. But um, I think it's going to be good. Plus, there are going to be a lot of BYU fans there. So BYU will help uh, with what the overall um, attendance looks like within the stadium. I think it's going to be a good one on Saturday. They should help with the overall attendance, but I don't expect them to help with the overall beer sales. Well, last week, Tennessee really did a good job of uh, of making uh, beer sales be, uh, be increased. It's just that they didn't have them available. Tennessee could have made some money this past weekend in the third and fourth quarters. Uh, they stopped after the third quarter, but in the second and third quarters, they really could have uh, ratcheted up those sales if beer was available to the fans. I promise that. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> so, Josh, you look at all of this. Are you expecting Tennessee to win at home, or does BYU come in and get the win? What do you think? I don't have a great feeling for it. Uh, I do a show on Sundays, um, TV show here in Knoxville, and at the end of the show, uh, we have to make, go ahead and make a pick for the next week. And I did pick Tennessee, and I didn't pick it with great confidence, but I picked Tennessee, and I said, okay, I'm going to make the pick today, then I'm just going to stick with it all week. I think it's one that comes down to the end. There's not really a scenario you can give me that would surprise me. If Tennessee wins by 10 points this weekend, I wouldn't be surprised. If BYU comes in and has a two-score lead in the fourth quarter and, and pulls off a road upset, not a, not a major upset, by the way, but a road upset, that wouldn't surprise me either. Both teams have some things to figure out from that first game. BYU's was from a much tougher opponent, as you guys know. Uh, but I, I picked Tennessee. I think Tennessee gets some things figured out, takes care of the football. But if it doesn't, Tennessee's going to lose the game, and then it's going to get ugly in Knoxville. And then also, as I said, I don't know how the players respond. Juwan Jennings, a senior wide receiver, stepping up and saying, we're going to fight, we're going to keep uh, playing hard or play harder than they did. I do buy that. I think that that'll be the case. I think Tennessee plays better, and I think Tennessee wins, but I think it's a close one, and I think it can go either way. All right, Josh, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Hey, you got it. Thanks a lot, guys.